discipleship process is the fact that people a lot people um, struggle, right? We all struggle, right? Five people in this room this morning struggle. Y'all are now y'all are struggling with lying, so now you are sinning. So um, this is going to go right into the to the sermon, but. Um, but the whole idea of struggling is the fact of that we struggle in our relationship with Christ. And this is where really brought me to Romans 7 um, through, this, through this passage right here. Because one of the stories that I hear constantly is just this battle for people um, to overcome sin. And this battle for people to fight sin. And this battle for people to really to get past sins that really that, that keep creeping up into their life time and time again, that whenever they're like, I'm a Christian now, I thought that I should have been able to, to kick that to the curb. I thought that I should have been okay and I, I wouldn't still be dealing with that um, 10 years later, 15 years later. Um, but that's really what Paul is talking about in this passage right here. And a lot of it goes back to even my own story. It's this September, I celebrate um, 31 years that I've actually been a follower of Christ. And you're sitting there saying, wow, Chris, you look amazing for your age. And, um, well, at 37 years old, I, I, um, but, um, uh, but, um, but I was a young kid whenever I came to faith in Christ. And this is something that I hear a lot from people who came to faith at a young age. And as a child, whenever I came to faith, I didn't understand all the concepts, but I knew that I was a sinner and I knew that I was needed a Savior. And my mom led me to the Lord after watching a Billy Graham crusade one night on TV. And so, um, but through that, I grew up with Christian parents. I was blessed with that. I grew up in great churches. Um, and I was the, the good kid in youth group, the leader of the youth group who was going off to, to be a preacher boy and all this other kind of stuff. But still throughout all of that, there was always a battle within my life of fighting sin. It seemed like I was on an up and down roller coaster ride that I was constantly fighting the same sins. Some sins I had under control. Others kept constantly just kept popping up. And I was able to put on a good front in front of other believers. I was able to act like that I had everything together. Well, then I go off to a um, Christian college and still able to act like I had everything together, but still constantly with those same sins would keep um, creeping up, and then, then it was just still, it was like an emotional just roller coaster ride constantly within the Christian life. And I've even found that in adulthood as well. And that it's still, that there are times that we're, it's up and down. There are times where you feel that you have everything um, okay. Your prayer time is just incredible. Your, your time of devotions has turned into three hours each morning because they're so good. Um, your, de your, devotion, your journal is filling up quickly. But then a month later, everything comes crashing around you because that one sin that you can't get rid of, that you can't fight, that you can't let go, to, go of, pops back up and, and you find yourself falling to the same thing over and over again. Whether it be something such as we just walked through the series on forgiveness, dealing with forgiveness, whether it be something for um, dealing with just being able to anger and deceit, lust. The list goes on and on for, for the things that believers, that the sins that we can keep falling into. And Paul right here in this passage, and that's where we find ourselves in Romans chapter 7, and Paul is writing the book of Romans. And the reason what led me here was because this is kind of walking through on Wednesday nights in, in my small group. 
And one of the things, if you ever decide to teach through the book of Romans, you're going to find out you're way over your head. Because I'm like, I am way over my head on this. I'm ready to already just drop it and run. Um, but, um, but we'll stick it out. And, um, but Romans is really a picture of the Christian life because it shows man's need for the gospel, walks through the law and sin, it walks through conversion, then it walks through how we live it out. But Paul, in the middle of the book right here, he takes this time, and it seems as if he's making some personal kind of like what's going on in his life. Because there, there are some arguments right here. Is Paul talking about pre-conversion before he was saved? Or is he talking about after he was saved? Or, or, or whatsoever? Is he talking about his current experience? And, and what I think that I, that I really want to focus on, that I want to draw out some application from this text of how we deal with the Christian experience and walking with on a day-to-day basis with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and one of the things that comes up is dealing with the struggle is the fact that, let me give you some assurance here, you are not on a roller coaster ride. It may feel like a roller coaster ride at times. It may seem like everybody around you may think that you're on a, a roller coaster ride. But the problem is, Every single believer in this room is dealing with something called indwelling sin. Every single one of us sitting here in this room, you're dealing with sin that is actually inside of you. Just because you're a believer in Christ now, doesn't mean that all of your sin is gone. All of your sin, the sin, you are still fighting sin. You are still dealing with sin. Um, one of the things that, that you may walk through and you feel that, you're just like, man, I feel like Jekyll and Hyde. Well, you really are, because you're dealing with two natures here. You're dealing with your nature um, that Christ has given you, your new nature after your salvation, but you're also having to fight your flesh. You're having to deal um, with your old nature, and these two natures are in constant opposition to one another, and the one who is warning you where that the Holy Spirit is given to you um, the whole, you are trying to seek after Christ. You are trying to, to become more and more like Christ. But the problem is, this indwelling sin, your old nature, is just hitting you every time and is trying to tear you down and is trying to destroy you because sin's ultimate goal, because it's anti-God, is its ultimate goal is to destroy you. And sin's ultimate goal is to take you places that you have never been before and to make you do things that you never could have actually imagined um, that, that you would actually participate in. Well, let's look at three things real quickly right here because actually a good thing with this morning, you may get out early. So uh, I found out last, the first service, I'm like, well, everybody may get out early today. So you might get out a little early today. But one of the first things that whenever we look in this passage that we see in our fight for sin of what happens in a believer's life and something that should characterize a believer is that we have a desire to follow and obey God. And you find this really in four instances in this passage. Paul talks about in verse 15, he says, um, look right there in 15, he says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. You see that phrase right there, for I do not do what I want? That want is for him to follow the law. And for him, it's to, it's to obey Christ. And the thing for believers is that we should have a desire and a want to obey the word. We should have a desire 
to, for Christ to be exalted in our life, we should have a desire for people to see Christ the way that, that we live our life. And our life should really line up with what Scripture says. In verse 16, he also says, he says, Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. Just by his disobedience, because he is recognizing that the law is good, he is saying that it is, it is good just by him disobeying it because he recognizes it as beautiful and he recognizes it as, as an authority. Um, the third place is in verse 18. He says, For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. How many of you that could really be your cry this morning? That you're sitting here is like, Man, God, I desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who we think is just above us, he is experiencing the same thing in his, same, in his daily walk and how he's walking. And then the first thing, fourth thing in verse 22, he says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner, inner being. A way that really, a passage that really comes to mind that really kind of just shows the delight in the law and the delight in the Word. Um, Psalms 119, verses 15 and 16 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will for not forget your Word. Does that describe you? Does that describe who you are? Because I think that there's several probably different types of people sitting here this morning. And one of the types is that really... This is really what your heart's cry is. Your cry is really to know the Word and to obey the Word and let Christ be magnified in your life. I think some of you this morning, you probably don't care. You're really comfortable with um, your life. You're really comfortable with how you're actually, your day-to-day -day life. It, it's really important, um, everything else outside of your relationship with Christ. And then I think a third type is probably somebody who is actually, you don't know. Because Christ is really starting to work in your life and, and, and He's not saved you just yet. But God is working and, and it's coming to a point where you're going to have to make a decision of whether or not you're, you're a Christ follower or you reject the gospel. But our desires really say a lot about who we are because our desires really kind of point the direction for what way our life will go. Um, desires are, are something that they can either take us down the, the path of which we desire Christ, then we become more and more like Christ, and then we live that out amongst each other, um, or our desires that we desire to build a greater kingdom for ourselves here on this earth. And so our desire is kind of summed up in that, and that's really where a lot of our focus um, becomes. You know, desires can get even the best of us, um, because I think that at nighttime, one of my hardest times is knowing if whether or not ice cream is in the freezer or not. Now, some of you that, that know my story, you know I don't need ice cream, okay? But neither do you. So, and, uh, but uh, but um, the problem with ice cream is that there's nothing better than a big scoop of, I love vanilla, and if it's sitting there, then I'm, I'm going to eat it every night. I will have a bowl of vanilla ice cream. And so um, my wife, she tried to, a little while, she switched to frozen yogurt for me for a little while, and um, that was really enjoyable until finally she cut that out on me as well. And, um, and so this whole desire at nighttime, I don't know what it is, but I'm like, I want some ice cream, and I want to eat it. But it's going to tear me down. 
It's going to ruin me. And, uh, and the same way, these little desires that you have, that there's desires, there are good desires, like I said earlier, and there's bad desires. But sometimes desires are just something small that we're just like, ah, can I do it or, or can I not? But our desire, ultimately, if you're a Christ follower, our desire should be the Word and the Gospel. And our desire should be that people see that through our life. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Do you even have the slightest desire for that? Do you have the desire to become more and more like Christ? Do you have a desire to know the Word, to obey the Word, so that people will see the Gospel um, um, magnified through your life? But I think that there's a second thing in these, this passage that Paul wants us to see, that not only that we should have a desire to, to follow and obey Christ, but that one of the reasons why this is so hard for us, and the main reason that this is so hard for us, is because of what I talked later earlier about indwelling sin. That nature of us, our old sin nature's goal, is for us to resist in the desire to follow and obey Christ. You see, the, the problem that all of us have this morning of wanting to resist and wanting to disobey Christ and not wanting to follow, um, follow Christ, it's not something that, that you're alone with. It's not something that you're going, you have to fight this battle alone, alone with. Um, Paul makes reference to this in verses um, 15 through 17. Let's reread this. It says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. The very thing that you hate is the very thing that you cannot get rid of. The very thing that you hate and despise is the very thing that you keep finding yourself time and time and time again falling into and you wish that it would, get, that it would be gone. You wish that you could just say no. You wish that you could just cast it out and you would never have to deal with that again. But Paul keeps going and he says, as I said earlier, he says, now I do, if I do what I do not want... You see that? He's doing the very things that he doesn't want to do. And then in 17 he says, So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. You know one of the most incredible things that a follower of Christ is able to say? That sin that you're struggling with, that sin that you're fighting to get rid of, that sin doesn't define you. That sin is not your identity. That sin is not who you are. In fact, now you are in Christ. If you have been justified and made right before God and all the penalty taken away from you because of Christ saying, um, I'm taking the penalty for His sin. And if you have been adopted into as a son of God or a daughter of God, then that adoption, you are now a child of God. So that old identity of people can no longer identify you as that sin or in that sin because that's no longer who you are. We are now a redeemed child of God. But you may think that that is one of the hardest things that you can actually do. You may even be sitting here thinking that this is absolutely, it's hopeless for you. You may be thinking that you'll never be able to, to get rid of it. You may never be able to cast that off. And the reason why that, that it seems hopeless is because you can't do it on your own. 
You can't do it on your own power. Um, one of the things that I think is so funny about um, having kids is that, and parents will get this, and, and is that, have you ever noticed how hard that it is for them to clean their room? You know, you're sitting there and you're looking at them and you ask them to clean their room and, you're, and, and it seems like you're asking them to climb Mount Everest. And, and they're sitting there and you're like, what is your problem? Because I've just asked you to pick up 10 toys and your clothes up off the floor. You know, and yet it's like the most hopeless thing that, that they can do. And um, you know what? We respond that same way to God. Because we respond to God like, well, God, I can't do it. I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm never going to be able to cast this sin off. And you know what? And this brings us to the third thing. You're right. You can't. You can't do it on your own because um, Paul, says, Paul says in verse um, number 24, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The good news is, the battle isn't yours to win. The battle isn't yours to try to figure out a plan of how to fight it and to defeat it. In fact, the battle has already been won. And one of the most incredible things is that the, the whole battle, the victory has already been won. And it is a sign of the struggle of how the gospel has already been at work in your life. Your battle is a sign that Christ is working in your life because you don't want to obey the flesh. Your battle has already been won. And Christ is sitting back and He's saying, you don't have to fight it on your own. I can do it. I've done it for you already. And you fighting it is a sign of me working in your life. It's a sign of the power of the gospel, overall of the gospel, because the gospel is came, has come to set us free um, from all sin. And what happens as a result is that whenever we start allowing the gospel to work within our life, and we see the gospel to, is actually taking root in our life, and, and sin is starting to be fought, and you're starting to gain um, victory over sin within your life, then what happens is you start to recognize sin a whole lot um, sooner within your life. You start to see that things just aren't quite right, and so you've got to do something to fight it. It's sort of like this. Imagine you're sitting in, in, your re in a restaurant, and all of a sudden, a rhinoceros comes walking through the front door. Now, I don't think you're going to see it happen here in Yulee, but you never know. Okay, We've, there's some weird things that happen around here. So, so, but if you're sitting there, and a rhinoceros comes walking through the, the front door of the restaurant, you're going to automatically notice that something's not right. This does not belong here in the restaurant. And you've got two responses. Your first response is you can run. You can get up and you can just, you can haul and you can run as fast as you can to get, a, get away from it. Your second response is you might be one of the brave ones who... Um, Say, I'm going to fight the rhinoceros. So you've got the proper tools and the proper ammunition. And um, if you need some or, or hunters, then there's other people around here who, who hunt. <laughs> so I would want, if I was facing that, I would want him in there with me. So <laughs> but, a, um, but you have the proper tools to fight that. 
And the same thing goes for our fight against sin. We either have to flee it or we have to fight it. And with the proper tools, we fight it. And I think that there's really four tools that, that we use in order to fight sin within our life, in order to gain the victory of sin within our life. And the first one is the fact that we've got to allow the cross of Christ to work through our own weakness. You know, we all have weaknesses. We all have struggles. We all are battling certain sins as believers. But what we do with that is we have to allow the cross of Christ to work through that weakness because He's already won the victory for us. We can't win the victory on our own no matter what we do time and time and time again. If we are doing it on our own power, then we are going to fail 100% of the time. But what we do is we reflect on the gospel. We reflect on the cross of Christ. We reflect on the power of the cross and how the cross has actually came into defeat sin. And, and ultimately, it starts to take root and the battle is raging day in and day out. But what happens, the second thing is that a lot of times we like to start doing things on our own. And we like to start praying on our own that I'm going to pray my way out of this situation. Or I'm going to read my Bible enough to get me out of this situation. Or you're sitting there and you're like, I'm going to fast my way out of this situation. But don't count on your own works to fix the sin in your life. Now, I'm not saying that we don't pray, we don't read the Word. But what I am saying is that we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to work through our own spiritual disciplines to defeat the sin in our life. You see, there's a difference between trying to do things ourselves, such as just praying on our own and just reading the Word enough that I'm going to get victory over this. That's not going to work like allowing the Holy Spirit to work through those very things to, to gain defeat over the sin within our life. Um, and what we do is the Holy Spirit starts to work in our life. The Holy Spirit starts to renew our mind like it talks about in Romans 12.1. And our mind starts to change. And our, and our mind becomes more and more like Christ. But you know one of the neat things about this? It's not you doing it. Because who is ultimately responsible for our salvation? Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is working, is sanctifying us, making us more and more and more like Christ. So the battle's not yours. The battle has already been won and, and we win it through the power of the Holy Spirit working within our life. But not only do we practice spiritual disciplines and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through those, we need fellow believers to be around us and we need fellow believers to surround us to, to both hold us accountable, we need them to encourage us, and we need them to love us. Because one of the things, there is nothing like having believers that is close to you that are going to come up to you and, and say, Hey Chris, well how are you doing with such and such? And you having those fellow brothers and sisters to help you and to be with you and to help you overcome those sins. And that's why the importance of church life. That is what the importance of um, small groups I'm a small group pastor. I've got to throw in small groups. So, um, but that is the why we join together with believers and we walk through life together 
because Christ has redeemed us and we help each other become more and more and more like Christ. And so this morning, what I want to challenge to do is the fact that if you're a believer and you're sitting back and you're like, Chris, there's no hope for my sin. There's no hope for me to overcome it. Can I challenge you first to repent of that sin? Can I challenge you to really look down deep and say, I want this done. I want to have a desire for Christ. I want this to be out of my life. These altars are going to be open and just a chance for you to pour out your heart before God. But I want to challenge you also to, to not only to, to stop there, but start taking the steps, relying on the Holy Spirit to work. Relying on the Holy Spirit. And you do that through praying and seeking after Christ and praying that God would take it away and spending time in the Word and fasting. But then also, can I say, surround yourself by fellow believers. You need fellow believers around you. You cannot be a Christian on an island by yourself. We need each other as the body of Christ. But then maybe some of you this morning, you're saying, Chris, I'm not a follower of Christ this morning. That's okay. Repent and believe in Jesus Christ. So let's stand this morning and let's pray. And these altars are going to be open. Father, we love you and we thank you for your cross. And we thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your grace. And Father, I pray now that you would just move within this time of response and pray that for people just dealing with sin and see that it's not hopeless and see that it is not ended, but they can overcome this. We all can. In Jesus' name, amen.